If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. This morning is where we'll start, and, and I want to encourage you to follow along. I won't, I won't ask you to turn uh, to every specific uh, passage, but I want to encourage you to follow along as we get started this morning. We've been talking, we've been in our series entitled Faithful, and uh, we want to continue that this morning. And let's do so by looking at one verse, and then we'll get started this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse number 2, the Apostle Paul writing to a church that, quite frankly, had a lot of issues. A lot of issues in the church. In fact, next week, I want to encourage you to be here. We're going to uh, do something a little bit different. We'll tie it into the Faithful series, but next week is Valentine's Day. And so uh, before you run off and eat a lot of chocolate, before you exchange uh, Valentine's with your sweethearts and whatnot, I hope that you'll make time for, uh, to celebrate the love of God. And that we'll do that together next uh, Sunday. Uh, look at what the Bible says in verse number 2. The Bible says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man, that a man be found faithful. Ladies, that doesn't let you off the hook. Anthropos, speaking of man or woman. Moreover, the Bible says it is required in stewards, quite honestly, that every one of us be found faithful. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house. God, we thank you for the safety that you've given us here on this campus. We thank you for bringing uh, your church together to worship. Lord, we're thankful for those who uh, are joining us online and maybe some of our regular in-person attenders are at home watching online. And Lord, we thank you for their participation in their worship this morning as well. God, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts. Certainly we want to be encouraged by your word, and certainly we've already been blessed by being in your house. But Lord, uh, uh, more than just listening, Lord, I pray that we will heed what your word has to say and that we'll apply what your word has to say today. God, I pray for maybe there's someone in this room or somebody watching or worshiping online, making an attempt to connect with you, maybe for the very first time. We don't know their spiritual condition of everybody that's watching or worshiping with us. Lord, but we do pray that you will make it abundantly clear to those in that scenario that you love them. That you love them so much that you sent your son to die for them. Lord, I pray that you'll have your will in your way during this time. And God, truly that we will be found faithful as stewards of all your manifold blessings. God, that we would be found faithful. We'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor for it. God, we ask this and we pray this in the precious name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And we pray it by saying amen and amen. Well, it was uh, June of 1993 when the pianist at that time, uh, the pianist who was here in that time, she walked down the pipe stem in Manassas where I... Uh, and Krista, we were living in, in that part of uh, over by where Chuck and Yvonne Sisler still live to this day. And I was loading up my pickup truck, ready to go out. I was in the military, active duty, and I was ready to go out and uh, do what I did a lot during those years. Uh, I was into landscaping, and I'd cut grass, I'd landscape, I'd mulch, I'd clean gutters. I'd do just about anything uh, that uh, you would have me to do for an extra buck. And just be honest, uh, during those years, 
uh, I was either working with the military or in my off time I was out, uh, you know, trying to do what I could do to provide for my very young family at that time. And uh, at that time it was just Krista and I. And uh, pianist walks down the pipe stem with purpose and uh, she was going about to put flyers uh, for a choir musical in all the doors, inviting people to come out to Battlefield Baptist Church. And uh, she walked up and she handed me a flyer. And I remember talking with the pianist. Many of you remember her. Her name was, is Lucinda Fryer. And I remember talking with Lucinda for a while and she was just full of life. And I'll be honest with you, I had no desire to drive from Manassas out to Battlefield Baptist Church. But she, her excitement was contagious. And uh, there were some connections with who was the interim music director at that time with a guy that I worked with in the military. And so I thought, man, I got to go see this guy. I said, he never says a word about Jesus, but if he's leading the music there, I want to go see him. And so we came out and we visited Battlefield Baptist Church. And every time I think back and remember June of 1993, and I think about the fact that that was nearly 28 years ago, I'm reminded about just how quickly time passes by. It seems just like yesterday. And yet now, nearly 28 years later, God has a sense of humor. I'm honored and privileged and blessed to serve as the pastor of the church that that lady invited me to come to for a choir musical. How amazing is our God? And I think about this time, and I don't know about you, maybe you're a little bit different than me, but I look in the mirror all the time and I ask myself, what happened? How did I get this old? And some of you who are older than me say, you ain't seen nothing yet. I remember years ago, my dad used to say, just wait till you get to 40. And I got to 40. Well, just wait till you hit 50, son. And I hit 50. Now it's wait till you hit 60, you know, and on and on. And uh, the reality is, uh, I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time and not so much anymore. My wife has confirmed my worst fears and, and whatnot. But when I look in the mirror, I typically do it with a little handheld mirror. And uh, I'm always looking at the back of my head. Something that... I forget who it was the other day. They said, well, was that a secret to you? We see the back of your head all the time. Uh, you're bald. And I was like, thank you for the encouragement. And uh, the other day, many of you might notice I had been letting my hair grow out. And I had told my wife, I said, I'm not going to shave. I'm not going to cut my hair until the sanctuary is done. And then I will rent my mantle and I will shave and I will worship. And she started laughing. She said, no, go get a haircut. Hence, the shorter hair. Truly, my friends, time waits for no one. It was Ben Franklin who proclaimed time is money. William Penn said time is what we want most, but what we use the worst. Isn't he right? Time is what we want the most, but what we use the worst. And that great theologian of yesteryear, Rocky Balboa, when responding to a much younger boxer, here's what Rocky Balboa had to say. He said, time takes everybody out. Time is undefeated. In reality, time has a way of showing us all what really matters. What really matters when you start to contemplate time? As we've discussed previously, 
Our biblical definition for our stewardship series this month has been God-given responsibility with accountability. The reality is God has blessed each and every one of us with many different gifts, many different things, the breath of life. He's blessed us with His Word. He's blessed us with this life that we have, and He expects us to use it well. He expects us to be good stewards of it. And so today I want us to consider whether or not we've been faithful in regards to the management of our time. And and as we've been talking about being faithful in the stewardship of everything He's blessed us with, we've discussed the four principles of stewardship, including God's ownership, our responsibility, our accountability, and the reality that God is the one who actually rewards our stewardship. And all of those responsibilities, all of those principles, if you please, they should, they should guide our thinking. When it comes to the issue of time, God actually, uh, the Bible actually speaks of God's authorship from the very beginning. If you were to go back to Genesis 1-1, the Bible says, in the beginning, God. Let's just think about that statement for a second. Before the beginning, in the beginning, God. He is the author of time. The New Testament confirms this over in John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, verses 1 and following, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, the same was, here it comes again, in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything that was made. This includes time. He created time. He's the author and the initiator and the creator of time. If I go back to Genesis 1 in verse number 5, the Bible says, And God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and God called the light day, and the darkness He called night, and the evening and morning were the first day. And if you look at that verse, you see the words morning, you see evening, morning, and day. All of those are reference to time. How much time before night comes? You can look at your clock and kind of decide. In fact, the Weather Channel will tell you when sunrise happens and when sunset happens according to time. And the amazing thing about time and in the fact that he authored time, God is not bound by time. In fact, we know this from 2 Peter in chapter 3 and verse 8. The Bible tells us this, that one day, it says, Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. You see, God operates outside of the constraints of time and space. And although He's not bound by time, what a wonderful God we serve because He actually designed and created you and He designed and created me with time in mind. In fact, if you were to read the wise man says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, beginning in verse 1 and following, it says, To everything there's a season and a time, to every purpose under the heaven, verse 2, a time to be born and a time to die. Folks, let's stop there just for a second. There's a time to be born and there's a time to die. I got some news for you, some revelatory news. One day, I will cease to exist physically in this realm. There's coming a time when Greg will cease to exist in this realm, but I got good news because of Jesus. I'll never cease to exist. Oh, I'm going to go, uh, I'm, I, like I said a few weeks ago, I'm going to get carried away when I get carried away. Oh, what a day that's going to be when my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, and he takes me by the hand, and he leads me through. Oh, 
the promised land. What a day that will be. The Bible says it's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted. And Solomon, if you read Ecclesiastes chapter 3, you know that Solomon, he continues on by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he talks about a time for everything under the sun. And when he gets to verse number 11, he says that God has made everything beautiful in whose time? His time. You see, we get, we get fed up with things because things don't seem beautiful according to our time, according to our standards. We must remind ourselves that God creates all things. He upholds all things. He governs all things. He orders all things according to the counsel of His will, not yours or mine. He's in charge. He's in charge. And I remember when I was a little kid, they used to sing a song. He's got the whole... Oh, some of you remember it. I was just checking. He's got the whole world in his hands. Do you understand that he holds time in his hands? But I got something that I want to share with you. This is not a message. This is not a message about what God does or about what God can do with time. It's a message about how you and I actually manage the time he's blessed us with. Because guess what? Nobody has a blank check on tomorrow. We're, may, we're here today, but guess what? Uh, I remember years ago, we had an event with the singles when my wife and I were blessed. To, man, what those were some years, weren't they? Back in the day when we had the singles ministry, college and career ministry here, we had a Sunday where we called it Hair Today, Gone Tomorrow. I'm now the epitome of this. It's slowly fading away. But what we were talking about, we had challenged our singles at that time here at Battlefield we said if you get a hundred singles to come to Sunday school and church on a certain day then I will shave my head and so will Chris Pearson and uh, I got my childhood barber we set up a barber uh, shop look over here on the end we had all kind of stuff in here and I said I set it at a hundred I was like there's no way they're going to get a hundred people in here for Sunday school hundred singles uh, beyond the church I said uh, and we were running probably about 30, 35 singles at that time in that class. And I said, I said, if you guys go out and every one of you brings three or four, you'll, you'll bust the ceiling. We'll have over 100. And, and what I'll do is we'll have a big thing. We'll have Sunday school and then we'll have lunch afterwards. And at that lunch afterwards, uh, I'll shave my head. And I had to be careful because I was in the military at that time. And, you know, uh, if you shave it too close, they thought that was eccentric. You were, you were branded as being a little eccentric, and so I had to be careful with that, but Chris Pearson, as many of you know, he had no problem whatsoever shaving his head, and so I had the right assistant at the right time, and the reality is when we got them all together, we had, I think it was like 119 singles came that day. I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. We got to shave our head, and they didn't even want to eat the pizza that we had. They were more interested in seeing our heads get shaved than anything else. But I remember the lesson that I taught that day in Sunday school was based on Proverbs 27, verse 1. Boast not thyself for tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Can I tell you, you none of us have a blank check on tomorrow. We have to be good stewards of the time that we're blessed with today. I'm so thankful that you're here and wanting to worship the Lord. Time is a limited resource, and God expects us to use it wisely, which is why I put in my notes, it's okay. You say, Pastor, I struggle with wasting time. 
It's okay. And I, I'm not asking you to raise your hand or anything like that, but maybe you're a procrastinator. Maybe you're somebody who just uh, sits around and then the next thing you know, three hours has passed and you've been scrolling on Facebook for two and a half hours. I don't know. Maybe it's Pinterest for you. Maybe it's Instagram or, or Twitter, whatever it is. Or maybe there's some other hobby, habit, or hang up or, or hurt that, that causes you to not be a really good steward or a manager of time. And you say, how do I use time wisely? Do you know that the Bible gives us a really simple principle that we can apply? In James chapter 1 and verse number 5, the Bible simply says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. Folks, if you're unsure, if I'm unsure how we can use time, it's okay. And quite honestly, based on this verse, I think God expects us to go to him in prayer and say, God, I need some wisdom. I'm a time waster, and I need some wisdom. I need to get a hold of this gift that you've given me because what I do is I turn around from one Sunday to the next, and I start asking myself, what have I done with the time you blessed me with? The reality is we all have the same amount of time. I think about Moses in his prayer. You, you may recall this in Psalm 90. In his prayer, he's talking to God, and when you get down to verse number 12, Moses says this, he says, God, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Again, speaking of wisdom, he says, God, I want to I walk in wisdom, but I need you to help me. It's okay to ask God for help. Every one of us, you've been blessed with 24 hours. Yesterday you were blessed with 24 hours, 1,440 minutes. And some of you, I did a message years ago, about six years ago, where I handed out $86,400 bills. And I was trying to make everybody wealthy on, in one day. Man, could you see that? Everybody got an $86,400 bill. Some of you remember. The reality is you have 86,400 seconds in a day. But the question is, what will you do with it? I love what A.W. Tozer once said about time. And in fact, I've shared this before, but it's so important. Listen to what he says. He said, time is a resource that's non-renewable and non-transferable. You cannot store it, you cannot slow it up, hold it up, divide it up, or give it up. You cannot hoard it up or save it for a rainy day or a snowy day, either one. I added that in. When it's lost, it's unrecoverable. When you kill time, remember, it has no resurrection. Oh, my friends, our time in this life is limited which is why God's desire, and I believe His expectation, is that we use it wisely. So biblically and practically, how do we do that? You might be sitting here, you may be watching and say, listen, I want to use my time wisely, but I struggle. So how do I biblically and practically start to use my time wisely? Honestly, I think it comes down to whether or not God's priorities, whether or not God's priorities are our priorities. Are His priorities our priorities? You see, because His thoughts and His ways are very different than our thoughts and ways. I put down, are we conforming to the world and its idea and its use of time? Or are we allowing our minds to be renewed and transformed by the renewing of our mind? As Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12. God's Word places an emphasis all throughout Scripture. God's Word places an emphasis on what we are to do in this life as good stewards. Not because we're trying to earn salvation. Be careful of that. Listen, 
It, it isn't about, oh, let me do this, check this off, check this off, check this off, check this off, so that I can earn my salvation, because I got news for you. Salvation's already been taken care of. He died on the cross a long, long time ago for my sins and your sins. The reality is that we do in response to his great love. Turn with me in your Bible to Philippians chapter 3. Just a couple of pages over. Philippians chapter 3. I want you to see this. The Apostle Paul, when speaking about living a life that pleases God, being a good steward, if you please, I think he gives us some insight here in a couple of different passages. Notice in Philippians chapter 3 with me, in verse number 13 and 14. I won't read the whole passage, but just a couple of verses to zero in on what Paul says. He says here, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Now, I have that underlined. This one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. Notice what he says. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying here, he says, listen, my time is going to be spent focusing on and making much of Jesus. Period. He says, guess what? I have no time. I'm not going to waste time pining about the past or fretting about the future. Guys, can I tell you? Anxiety gets you nowhere fretting about the future. Anxiety gets you nowhere fretting about the future. Can I tell you? It was mentioned up here, and I said it Wednesday night. You know, I, I, I'm just going to give you a little tip. You say, what are you, a prophet? No, I'm just a human being. I'm going to give you a little tip, though. After coronavirus, get ready for the next little thing. As soon as everybody, as soon as they determine that schools can open, businesses that are out of business can have a chance to restart, I mean, livelihoods are wrecked and ruined and people are still running around scared to death and everybody says, well, good, we can go back and play football. Good, we can play soccer. Good, we can have uh, upward basketball again. I got news for you. They, they already, they've already got it figured out what they're going to unleash next to keep you locked in fear. So instead of pining about the past or fretting about the future, the Apostle Paul said, notice verse 13, he said, but this one thing I do, listen, I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep pressing onward and upward. I'm going to keep focusing on Jesus. And that's what he was telling the church at Philippi. And folks, that's what we need to be doing with our time. We need to be focusing onward and upward. When writing his first letter to the church at Corinth, here's what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In verse 31, he says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, he said, do all to the glory of God. After proclaiming that our Heavenly Father actually knows what you and I have need of today and what we have need of tomorrow, it was Jesus who says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. Take no thought of what you're going to wear. Take no thought of what you're going to eat. God knows what you have need of. He, he actually takes care of the lilies in the field. How, how much more is he going to take care of you, right? And so we have to use our time wisely. In Romans chapter 8, the Bible says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are the called according to his purpose. And verse 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate 
to be conformed to the image of His Son that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Folks, as we walk by faith and not by sight, as 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 9 tells us, whatever we do, our goal should be to please the Lord. Our goal should be to honor, to please, to glorify the Lord. God's glory in what we think, God's glory in what we say, God's glory in what we do, becoming more like Christ, pleasing Him. They're all worthy ambitions when it comes to being good stewards of our time. I put down on my notes, truly a person's priorities, they'll be seen in how we manage our time. Do you know what, sir? Your kids are watching how you manage your time. You don't think you're going to go home and tell your kids that they need to be a good manager of time if they see you wasting time all the time. Pardon the pun. I mean, if all, if all you're doing is sitting around, wasting time, you're never, you're never uh, uh, serving the Lord. You're never do don't think you're going to go home and tell your kids how they need to be good stewards of time. See, we must set the proper example for our families. You, uh, you may recall that story in Luke chapter 10. I was talking with Kurt yesterday. We had a great chat yesterday for a couple hours, and, and uh, I was sharing this. The story in Luke chapter 10 is where Jesus visits the home of Martha and Mary. Maybe it comes to mind when you think about it. Martha, she invites Jesus into her home, and you remember how the story goes. As soon as Jesus comes in the house, Martha, Martha starts scurrying about. She starts serving and doing all kind of things. And I don't know, maybe she's preparing a meal for the Lord. Maybe she's, she's cleaning. Maybe she found uh, that the, you know, it was dusty. I don't know, but she's cumbered about with much serving. But her sister, you know the story, she goes over and she sits at Jesus' feet. And Jesus is teaching and there's Mary. She's listening. And Martha, she's running around. And instead of calling out her sister and saying, Mary, Mary, come help me, come here. She has the audacity to actually attack Jesus. Instead of attacking her sister, she says, Jesus, don't you care? She basically says, don't you care that I'm the one doing all the work while my lazy, no-good sister is sitting there doing nothing? Yeah, that's what she says. But in verse 41 and, four, and verse 42 of that passage, the Bible says, Jesus answered her and said unto her, what's he say? He says, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Now stop right there for just a second. Can we go back? He says, Martha, Martha, when I was a little boy and I got needed a little uh, correction, it was Greg Allen. That's like when they break out the middle name. You know, Gregory Allen Corcoran, that's fine on paper, legal documents, and on and on. I was never called Greg Allen unless there was some reason that I needed to be corrected. Just like we would say Casey Byron or Colby Allen. Same way. Jesus says here, he says, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. You're wasting your time being troubled and carried away with many things. And then he goes on in verse 42, and he says, but one thing is needful. And Mary had chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. He says, right now, I'm teaching. And he says, the best thing that you could be doing with your time is to sit down right next to your sister and listen to what I have to say. 
You're, you're troubled. You're carried about with all kind of things. But right now, you would be a better steward of your time if you would slow down and you would listen to what I have to say. Do you know I believe Jesus is still trying to communicate that message to us today? Sometimes we just need to sit down and listen to what Jesus has to say instead of being so cumbered about with much suffering. I wrote down these, this idea that if our priorities are out of whack, then our management of time is sure to be out of whack. If your priorities are out of whack, then don't think you're going to be able to be a good manager of time. So let's ask God for wisdom so that time doesn't become our enemy, but that it remains our friend and that we were good stewards of it. So what should our priorities be? Here they are. If you're a note taker, you can write them down. If, you, if you're like, man, I've already checked out. I don't even want to hear about time. I don't want to be a good steward of time. I'm just going to go and be obstinate. I'm going to go and just do one my thing. And, and so, pastor, it's enough that I showed up, right? So don't expect me to take this away with me. Well, God bless you. But if you like taking notes, here's some priorities that I think are in line with Scripture. The first priority that I think you need to be concerned about with time is your personal relationship and walk with the Lord. That's uno number one. Sir, that should be number one on your list. Ma'am, that's number one on your list. You say, well, I'm married. Guess what? That's not number one. Your husband's not number one. Your wife's not number one. Listen, my wife has always understood. God bless her. She's number two. She's number two. Oh, how dare you from the pulpit. Say that your wife is number two. She ought to be happy being number two. Right? Jesus is number one. Jesus is number one. It goes in that order. Our personal walk and relationship with God is so incredibly important. A couple of Wednesdays ago, we were teaching on a different topic, but I shared in Psalm, some of you were here that night, I shared Psalm 1 in verses 1, 2, and 3. And I think it's important that you see these verses. In verse 1 of Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is a man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Folks, are you delighting yourself in God and his word today? Do you take time to delight in God and his word every day? Oh, it's incredibly important. Are we meditating on his word day and night? By, by the way, again, day and night, that speaks of time. That speaks of the fact that you're using your time to meditate on God's word. That you're actually walking in such a way that desires to have a closer relationship with God. In Psalm 5, I was reading this last week. And it says in, verse, in chapter 5, excuse me, verses 1 and following, the Bible says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice shall thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness. God doesn't want us to walk in wickedness. He wants us to walk with Him. He wants us to be developing a closer relationship with Him. And I put in my notes, what if we took time to evaluate every one of our man management of time this morning? What would it reveal? Would it reveal that we're committed to our personal relationship and cultivating an intimate personal walk with the Lord? 
or would it indicate something else? God has blessed us and entrusted us with the opportunity and the time to cultivate a sweeter relationship with Him. Oh, that needs to be priority number one when it comes to the management of our time. Priority number two, I already alluded to it, priority number two is our immediate and extended family members. It's our immediate and extended family members. Shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh? There's an implication of family. I, I put down in my notes, when God created Adam and Eve all the way back in the Garden of Eden, He didn't create man. He didn't create woman. He created family. You see, when God looked at Adam and He saw that he didn't have a helpmate, He said, that's not good. He said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will create for him a helpmate. And He caused Adam to sleep, and you know the rest of the story. He took the ribs, and then he closed up Adam's flesh, and he made woman, and Adam said she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Oh, my friends, it's so important that we take time to work on our marriages, work on our families. Can I tell you that that old roaring lion, he's walking about seeking whom he may devour. Do you know that he wants to destroy you and your family? He hates family. He will attack you in any way possible to destroy your family. And as I look around in 2020, Walk around with a mic. I, I hate this, but anyway. I like walking around with a mic. Hey. In 2021, can I tell you, the devil's doing a real good job of destroying families. We're just letting him. We're just letting him. We're just, whatever. Whatever, whatever. Sir, you need to fight for your family. Ma'am, you need to fight for your family. Young person, you need to fight for your family. You see dad looking cross-eyed at mom, you need to pray for dad. You see mom looking cross-eyed at dad, you need to pray for mom. You need to pray for both of them. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5 and verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And wives... I got good news for you because that's what the Bible asks you to do. But in verse 25, the Bible is very clear to the husband. In verse 25, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And if you go on, as Paul's talking about marriage and he's really communicating the mystery of Christ in the church, when he gets down to verse number 33 in Ephesians chapter 5, notice what Scripture says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. I was reading months ago in his book, Love and Respect, a guy by the name of Dr. Emerson Egrich, he, he talks about the crazy cycle in this book. And he talks about the fact that when you look at a woman's call to reverence her husband and a man's call to love his wife, he calls it the crazy cycle. And this is what he says. He says, without love, she reacts without respect. 
and without respect, he reacts without love. Now think about that again. Without love, she reacts without respect. She says, guess what? I'm not going to show my husband respect because he's not loving and leading me how he should. And the reason he doesn't love and lead his wife is because she's not uh, uh, respecting or reverencing her husband as she should. It's a crazy cycle. It's a vicious cycle. It's this big circle that keeps on going around. Folks, ladies, you don't reverence or respect your husband because he necessarily deserves it. You respect and reverence your husband because God says that's what's right. Oh, thank you. One, Thank you. My wife said amen. Ladies are like, I will not say amen to that. You don't know my husband. He's horrible. Sir, can I tell you? You're to love your wife as Christ loved and gave himself for the church. You're to love your wife enough to be willing to die for her. Whether she respects you or not. But the crazy cycle is we allow the devil just to wreak havoc in our families. Can I tell you, after your personal walk with the Lord, developing a closer walk with the Lord, number two on your list should be your marriage and your family and your extended family members. Listen. It doesn't matter what's going on. You have to help take care of your family members. That's right. And I know the kids, some are upstairs, and some of you are saying, thank you for not mentioning us today. Got good news for you. I'm going to mention you. Because Paul goes wrong right after Ephesians chapter 5 and Ephesians chapter 6, and he says this in verse 1 and following. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. In verse 2, he says, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Children, you have a responsibility as well. Dads, moms, you can nudge your kids. You can say, you heard the pastor say it. Don't be giving me no lip later. Right? He's like, oh, thank you for this message today. He's like, please, pastor, can you move to the next message? I see you. <laughs> Hey, it's okay. God loves you. Priority number three, our service for the Lord, His church, and our community. If you've come to Battlefield Baptist Church and you're not interested in serving the Lord, you've probably picked the wrong church. Because, do you know, when we run Upward Basketball, it takes over 100 volunteers to run that program effectively. It would be better if we had about 150. It, amen is right. Do you know that it takes more than the 5% that typically always do the work in Awana Bible Clubs to run Awana Bible Clubs, it would be better if we had more volunteers for Awana Bible Club. And those who are in Awana Bible Club ought to be saying amen. You know, it takes more to run the media ministry and the music ministry, the praise team ministry, the choir ministry, than just what we've got. Do you know in the sanctuary we got a big old choir area? Oh, listen, we need more people to sing. It's a good thing to sing for the Lord. Our service for the Lord, His church, and our community should be a priority. Listen, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 18, He talked about the fact that He was going to build His church and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. The reality is that Jesus is still using His church to accomplish His mission in 2021. And His mission has always been the same, to go out into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
That's our job. It's not just Pastor Greg's job. It's not just uh, Travis and Colby and Larry and the rest of the staff's job to tell people about Jesus. It's every one of our jobs. Oh, listen. That's why Hebrews in chapter 10, in verse 24 and 25, they remind us that we need to consider one another to provoke one another unto love and to good works. And verse 25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Whether we're worshiping at home, whether we're worshiping in public, we ought to be exhorting one another. We ought to be provoking one another unto love and to good works. And you say, well, what do we exhort one another to? Faith. We exhort one another in the faith. We exhort one another in love. We exhort one another in works. Now, don't get me wrong. Kurt and I were talking about this yesterday. The Bible is very clear. It says faith without works is dead. It doesn't say works without faith is dead. See, we don't work to earn faith. Because of our faith in Jesus Christ, the love of Christ constraineth us, as 2 Corinthians tells us, that we go out and we serve the Lord. We serve Him in His church, in His mission. As believers, Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 5, in verse 13 and 14, when He talked about you and I being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. In John chapter 8, He's the light of the world. But in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, he says that you and I are the light of the world. And if you read verse 15, it says, no man lights a candle and hides it under the bush. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's why in verse number 16, the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Oh, my friends, our relationship with the Lord, our walk with the Lord is number one. Our family is number two. Our service for the Lord is church and our community. Do you know that there are people who are dying without Jesus day after day after day in Fauquier County? Not much response. There are people who are dying without the Lord day after day after day in Prince William County. There are people who are dying day after day after day in Northern Virginia without Jesus Christ. It is our job. It is our responsibility. You say, well, I don't want the job. It doesn't matter. See, we're under the law of love now. We're under Jesus' law, the law of love. And the love of Christ constrains us. Priority number four, I'll move on, our work. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3, I just want you to see two verses. Look down with me at verse 22 and 23. The Bible says, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Folks, work is an important aspect of light, but sometimes we have to be very careful because if we're not careful, it becomes our God, little g. Guilty. Guilty is charged, Your Honor. Pastor, you're the pastor. Guilty. We have to be careful with this thing called work. I remember years ago when I was in the military, Worldly thinking. If I'll just get one more promotion. One more rank. 
I'm doing it for my family. If I just work 85 hours a week, the general, the colonel, they'll recognize me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they'll recognize you. And then when you're done, they'll move on to the guy right behind you. By the way, that happens in corporate America, too. Lest you don't think it, it doesn't happen in corporate America. They will use you, they will abuse you, and then they will run over you, and then they will leave you for dead when you are no longer valuable to them. Now, I'm a big believer that you have to work if you want to eat. But I've also learned over the years, I'm sorry, my oldest son took the brunt of this because when I was in the military, I was always working. The next time I turned around, he was graduating high school. Work is a priority. But you better be careful. Because if you're not, it gets out of kilter. See, what happens is we think that work becomes more important than our relationship with the Lord. Work becomes more important than our marriage or our family. Work becomes more important for our service for the Lord and His church and our community. Can I tell you, when you start to put things backward, they never work. They never, ever work. Priority number five. And this is the one that everybody's probably going to love. Rest and relaxation. Rest and relaxation. You say, well, where do you get that? When Matthew, or in Mark chapter 6, excuse me, in Mark chapter 6, the Bible tells us this in verse 30 and 31. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all the things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Remember, Jesus sends them out kind of on a training mission in Mark chapter 6. And they come back to him and they tell him all the things that have happened and all the things that they've done. And notice in verse 31, And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. It's okay. I hear all that you've done. I hear all the stories. Now come and separate yourself and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Folks, it's been said that if you don't come apart, sooner or later you're going to come apart. you got to take time for rest and relaxation. You say, well, I don't have a big budget for rest and relaxation. Oh, listen, I'm not telling you you got to go somewhere exotic. Just come apart and take a rest. Allow yourself to rest and recuperate. Oh, listen, the idea behind all of these priorities, to be honest with you, all of these priorities can be seen in what Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24 and 25. Here's what he said. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. The point is, if you and I are going to be better stewards of time, better managers of time, then we have to be deliberately living for Jesus Christ, period, end of sentence. If I'm going to be better at this idea of time management, then i got to put first things first, my relationship with Him, my family, my service for the Lord in the church, and then my work, and then rest. If I put them 
in a jar backwards, and I was going to do this whole uh, illustration. If I, if I throw them in backwards, it doesn't work. But when I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he has a way of orchestrating things to make it all work out. Oh yes, our thoughts and ways will have to give way to his thoughts and ways. And, and I, the only thing I can say is this, if you're a parent here, the world will keep on telling you more, 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 more. My kids have played sports, so I'm not hating on sports. The kids got to play basketball. The kids got to play uh, baseball. The kids got to be in Awana. The kids got to be in uh, kids choir. The kids got to be in this. The kids got to take dance lessons. The kids got to do this. The kids got to do this. And what happens is you get so busy chauffeuring kid from kid to kid to kid to kid. And God bless you all that have five and six and how many of these kids, like the Smiths and everybody with all these kids and the Felts, <laughs> right, and the workamas. I mean, God bless you all. That could be mind-boggling. And what happens, and I'm not saying these families have let it happen, but what can happen if we're not careful is this kid's got four things going on. This kid's got three things going on. This one has 2.4 things going on. This one has seven things going on. And the next thing you know, there's no time for personal relationship with the Lord. There's no time for a husband or wife. There's no time for family. There's no time for service for the Lord. There's no time for work. And there's no real time to rest or relax because I got practice, 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 meeting, meeting, meeting. And the next thing you know, they're in college. And you're looking at your husband. And you're looking at your wife. And it's a very quiet place. Especially if your last child is Casey Byron. The light, the life of the house. But when they're gone, it gets very quiet. And if you haven't been a good steward of time, you're thinking, what now? What do we do now? When you're no longer mom, well, she'll always be mom. But when no one's crying out for mom, when no one's crying out for dad around the house, when no one's crying out for a ride, when no one's crying out for help with homework, when no one's crying out for this or that or the other, oh, you see, it's so important that we be good stewards of our time. Listen, if our priorities are out of whack, we'll never fit the most important things into our life. But when we align our priorities with God's word, oddly enough, things work out. So in order to be successful, let me wrap this up. In order to be successful, can I just tell you, you're going to have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. I can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding our lives, teaching us day by day how we should respond to various things. And you say, well, what, do you have a verse that I, could, that I could use? Absolutely. Ephesians chapter 5. You should be real close to it. Look at it with me. As I begin to wrap up, look at Ephesians chapter 5. And I want to read beginning in verse 14. In verse 14, the Bible says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Verse 15, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Now look at verse 15 again. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly. 
that the idea of walking circumspectly means that you and I should be walking exactly. We should be walking diligently. We should be walking perfectly. I got news for you. I cannot walk exactly, diligently, or perfectly unless the Holy Spirit is empowering me to do so. And neither can you, lest you think you're super Christian. You're not going to do it unless you're being empowered day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour, by the Holy Spirit of God to do so. But if you read on in verse 16, it says redeeming the time. That means to buy it up, to seize it up, to use up the opportunities that were given. The last part of the verse says because the days are evil. Listen, as good stewards, other people should be able to see what our priorities are based on how we live. They ought to be able to see that family is a priority. They ought to see that our personal walk with Jesus is a priority. They ought to see that serving the Lord, our church, and this community is a priority. They ought to see that you're willing to work. They ought to see that you take time to rest and relax. Biblically. I put down on my notes that people need to hear a lot less of us professing this or that and see a lot more of the fact that you and I actually are possessors of what we say we are. Oh, that person walks with God. What a great testimony. That's what Enoch's testimony was. And that's why the Bible says God translated him. Because he had the testimony that he walked with God. He pleased God. I've always appreciated what John Wesley once said in reference to that passage in Ephesians chapter 5. Notice what he says. He said, with all possible care, redeem the time. Saving all you can for the best purposes. Buying every possible moment out of the hands of sin and Satan. Out of the hands of sloth and ease and pleasure and worldly business. The more diligently because present are evil days. Days of the grossest ignorance, immorality and profaneness. Now what's really cool about this and you say what's the big deal about what John Wesley said? The big deal is that John Wesley lived from 1703 to 1791. And he's talking about days of ignorance, immorality, and profaneness. Sounds like he's talking about 2021. As Solomon said, nothing new under the sun. If you're a follower of Christ, a follower of Christ, not just merely, quote, I'm a Christian, Because a lot of people say, I'm Christian, but they're not following Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Set about to manage your time wisely. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4 that we're to walk walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. Ephesians 5.2 says that we're to walk in love. Ephesians 5, 8 says that we're to walk as children of light. And then when you get over to Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 5, speaking of evangelism, if you want to talk about that, it says that we're to walk in wisdom towards them that are without. There it is again, redeeming the time, buying up, seizing up, taking up the opportunity to share the love of Christ, the truth of Christ with others. Oh, folks, I put it down in my notes. When we waste our time, we waste our testimony. When you waste your time, you waste your testimony. God's the initiator, the owner, the one who entrusts us with everything, and we are merely his managers. We are merely his stewards, and so we must 
be faithful with what he has given us. And if you're watching, you're, maybe you're in this room and you've never trusted Christ. But if you're watching and you've never trusted Christ, can I tell you, the Bible's pretty clear, boast not thyself for tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you so that you could have a relationship with him through his son. But the reality of life is that now is the accepted time. As 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 reminds us, now's the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Don't put off till tomorrow what you know you need to do today. If you feel that the Lord is speaking to you today, if the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart, you're in this room, you're watching, and you've never called out upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of your sin, it's that simple. It's not about a set of words. It's about the desire in your heart. It's about knowing that God died for you, understanding that Jesus went to the cross for your sins and that he wants to forgive you. You can call out upon the name of the Lord. You know, I think about Paul and Silas. You remember back in Acts chapter 16 and verse 31, they were talking to the Philippian jailer. And you know what they said? They told the Philippian jailer, they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Why would you waste another second of time? Because guess what? James says our life's like a vapor. It appears for a little while. And then it vanishes away. We better make good use of the time that we have while we have it. If you don't know Jesus, trust him today. If you're a Christ follower, would you recommit yourself? I can't imagine that there's probably not some area of improvement every one of us could make. Every one of us. There's probably room for improvement in every one of our lives, even those that are committed Christ followers, that we could make concerning the stewardship of our time. And I pray that you'll do that as unto the Lord. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the time that we've had together. Certainly we're grateful for all that you give us and all that you bless us with. Lord, I pray that today, that as followers of Jesus, we would walk worthy, we would walk in love, we would, we would understand that we're not to let our light be covered up, that we're to walk as children of light. That's a high calling, that's a high responsibility. Lord, help us to walk in wisdom. Help us not to waste our time or our testimony. Lord, if there's somebody that's watching, that's never called out upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, for whosoever will do that will be saved. And so, God, I just pray that people will make that decision that you have spoken to their hearts, that the Word of God and the Spirit of God have convicted them and drawn them to the foot of the cross where they might find forgiveness of sin and eternal life. I pray they'll take, out, take advantage of that opportunity that they have right now. Lord, I pray that you'll have your will and your way, not only today, but in the coming days, that we might be more like Christ. That we would conform more to the image of your Son, as your Word tells us. That we would desire to be your representatives in the marketplace, in the workplace, in the neighborhood, everywhere we go. That people would see our relationship with you. They would see the relationship that we're trying to cultivate in our families and how we try to protect our families. The relationship and serving you and our local church and this community and the fact that we're willing to work and 
God, that we do take time to rest. God, I pray that you'll use us as only you can. Thank you for meeting with us. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to gather together today. Lord, we praise you and we give you the glory for what you'll do in the coming days. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we do pray and ask all things. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.